you hear me? Yes, I can. All right, great. There's going to be a big difference in our audio quality, I feel like. How do I sound? You sound really good. <laughs> I think there's going to... Yeah, but anyway, at least one of us sounds okay. Yeah, the most important one, right? Hey, you already know. <laughs> <laughs> hey, we're not cutting anything out of this, by the way, so... uh. Yeah, I know. That's staying in. That's fine. All right, cool. <laughs> All right. You want to introduce us? Yes. The day is April 27th, 2020. It is currently day 30, 39, I think, of the quarantine. And you sure? It's not 40 something. Um, since the California stay at home order was in place on March 19th, it is exactly 39 days. Okay. I think my sister started a little earlier because she posts every day on Instagram. And I think today she wrote date 45. Oh, I see. Okay. It's my day 39th quarantine. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah. Cause you're working, huh? Yeah. For sure. For sure. So we are the Piazza boys. I'm Josh. This is Austin. And this is podcast number four, Film Reviews Part 3. Yeah. yeah. And the, good. Film, the films that we reviewed today are Angels in the Outfield, Rookie of the Year, and Mr. 3000. Terrible movie. All right, let's talk about that. All right, let's talk about Mr. 3000 first because, man... I was so bored the whole movie. Okay, yeah. Out of the, those three... Actually, you know what? I'm just going to say this. Out of all the movies, including Bull Durham, Mr. 3000 is my least favorite. I'm going to have to agree with that, actually. Even though I fell asleep during Bull Durham, I will say Mr. 3000 felt like a waste of time. It was, yeah. I'm sorry, Bernie Mac. Rest in peace, but... Yeah. That the was late, not one of your best movies. It's, it's, a, it's a weird paced movie because it's like taking away baseball like the, the film itself it has the one trope of a movie i don't like which is a character who is not very likable and in the end still isn't likable you know and there wasn't really any real conflict yeah the conflict was he was a bad baseball player and a terrible person and he didn't really resolve either one of those <laughs> nope <laughs> like yeah. it got all dramatic at the end like remember the, once he got the three thousandth hit or whatever, um, with the Brewers, like where he gets a hit and they win the game or whatever, and he's like walking to his teammates who's like huddling around, mm -hmm. and it's like a dramatic like walk. I don't know. It's it was such a weird scene because I'm like it doesn't feel like anything good happened actually. Right. He's still, he was still batting like less than 0 0.1, 0.100. Um, you know, he wasn't good. And yeah, man, he was just chasing like for the wrong reasons. You know, he wanted to get into the Hall of Fame. Like, nah, man, people who go into the Hall of Fame don't. That's not the goal. You know, it's the goal is to become like one of the greatest baseball players. Yeah. So just really, it's a really weird paced movie. And the thing is, is like, right. He, the, the whole his whole character arc was like he's a terrible teammate he's great baseball player and then all of a sudden he comes back to baseball still a terrible teammate he gets better and i was actually like rooting for him to get to be a better teammate and all of a sudden he throws that away 
to like pursue his own selfishness again. It's like, dude, you can't, you have, like, it totally screwed up the pace. Yeah. It's, uh, it's not a good movie. I, for those of you who aren't familiar with Mr. 3000, it's a movie starring Burning Mac and rest in peace. He retires once he gets his 3000th hit in baseball, which is, which is a big number to hit if you're a baseball but player. It's a very scummy thing to do. The moment he hits it, he retires because he's assured that he's going to join the Hall of Fame. And then once he retires, he basically milks his status as someone who's part of the 3000 Hit Club. He makes a bunch of commercials, opens a bunch of business ventures, all surrounding the name Mr. 3000, which I think is really obnoxious because so many other players have 3000 hits. Um, and yet he's like celebrating as if he's the only one who's done it. Yeah. And then on the... top of that, afterwards, they realize he doesn't have 3,000 hits officially. He has 2,997. And so he comes out of retirement just for the goal of hitting 3,000 hits because he misses the Hall of Fame. And then as Josh said, he continues to be a terrible teammate, terrible player, terrible person, and nothing really happens by the end of the movie. Yeah. And I think my favorite line from that movie, it was from the news reporter. Like he was when he was watching TV, eating Chinese food. And he said, uh, the news reporter said, these three hits isn't what's going to keep him out of the Hall of Fame. You don't get into the Hall of Fame because of three hits. Right. Which is totally true. Right. You it's it's who you are as a player that gets you into the Hall of Fame. You know, it's the other stats like, oh, you have this one accolade, which is the shoe. And by the way, it's, it is true. Currently, out of like mo- like I think all of the three thousand hit winners, they're Hall of Famers or are going to be Hall of Famers, um, except Pete Rose for different reasons. But yep, yeah, it's it's an accomplishment that yeah you might you're pretty sure she would get into Hall of Fame, but dude, there's so much more to being you know a Hall of Famer than just that. <laughs> yep, I agree. There isn't really much to say about this movie other than it's... I wouldn't recommend it. Don't watch it. Don't Save waste your time. Your time. Um, yeah, I'm a big Bernie Mac fan, but even then, like, don't watch it. Yeah, I was excited, too, because it's Bernie Mac. Yeah, I instantly didn't like the movie in, like, the first couple minutes of the movie. <laughs> yeah. But I think... I think the one issue that it does tackle, because every... Uh, actually, two things I actually did like about the movie... Um, so the first one is each baseball movie tackles a different aspect of baseball. And this one tackles the issue of um, the locker room presence, you know, being the leader of the team and, you know, being a, just being a likable person in general. It's, it carries you and your reputation a long way because Barry Bonds, even though he was he, uh, like the, one of the greatest hitters of all time, he well, because, you know, he had a nice diet, a uh, strict diet, and he aged very well. He was terrible in the locker room. Like, he would berate his teammates all the time. Like, no one would want to play with him if he wasn't one of the greatest hitters. Yeah, that's something you know? that's underrated, I think. I think mm-hmm. in sports in general, because you expect that if you have a star, that's enough. And, you know, with the Michael Jordan documentary going on, that's something that's being revealed. Like, he's a dog, but he got it done. And that's all that matters. But I think in a sport like baseball, it's different because in, in unlike any other sport, um, 
you're as it's kind of like you're as good as like the median of your team. So just because you have one star player, aka the Angels in like Mike Trout, it doesn't mean you're gonna be a great baseball team. And so the way that you try to get as much as you can out of your players and your teammates is by being a good teammate yourself or locker room presence as a manager and trying to get as much as you can out of them. And I think that's one of the things that I enjoy about Dave Roberts, even though he makes questionable decisions at times, there are moments and situations where he gets more out of his players because he displays the sense of belief and trust in them um, and tries to foster like a culture of positivity within the locker room. And I think that that goes a long way. It's, of course, it's easier to do when you're winning, but yeah, if that wasn't there, I don't think teams like the Dodgers would be as successful. Right. Yeah. And I think another thing too, it's like, it's like you said, and this movie showed it too, that there was only one good player on the Brewers who was the T-Rex, whatever his name was. Um, but he can't carry that team. That's why it's like in baseball, you can't have one great player and expect to win because there's 25 other players, like players on your team, you know? So you can't just, and the nine players on any given day, you can't expect one player to, you know, carry the load of your crappy team. Yeah. And I will say um, one thing that even though I think they did it poorly, I think they showed how important it is for a baseball player who has a shot, how important it is for them to join the Hall of Fame. Because I think out of any other sport, the Hall of Fame for baseball is the most legitimate, in my opinion. Because there's just so much more players that can like get, who are like worthy to get in, i.e. Larry Walker. Right. <laughs> That and I think the people <laughs> that actually vote them in the base, I think out of most pundits and writers, baseball writers are the most well educated. Just based on, yeah, just they're also the most biased, definitely the most elitist. But I don't <laughs> think, I don't know, I think I'd be surprised if I find people who disagree that because I, of course, there's like pundits that you disagree with and things like that. But overall, as like an entity, the Baseball Writers Association of America, they're, they're, I think they're pretty like trustworthy and their opinion holds a lot of weight for me personally compared to like the NFL or basketball. Because even for those sports, like the players that get in are pretty like that are at that level are limited already. But baseball is like highly selective. Um, so. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think it shows it does a good job of showing how coveted that is, but yeah, like you said, I don't think it's realistic in terms of like his desire to like that's his only goal for playing baseball. Yeah. Um yeah, cuz that's not why a player would play in the first place. Um I think that's more of a thing yeah. they wish for once they get towards the tail end of their career, but yeah, I don't know. Yeah. A player's goal is to win the championship. Okay, so the so one question I did it. have for you, though, is can you think of any baseball player in the history of the game that models Bernie Mac's character in terms of, like, personality? Because I feel like he doesn't fit the mold of, like, a traditional baseball player. Like, why right. they want to play or what they want to get out of it, stuff like that, or how they carry themselves, even. It kind of feels like... I don't know, a basketball or football player playing baseball. Yeah, it, it 
<laughs> if you're if this was basketball, it'd probably be someone like I don't know Isaiah Thomas or somebody. You know, someone who's after like the accolade or like not the yeah, the accolades mm-hmm. of the game, not really the end end goal. Um, no, no one really comes to mind, and I think it's because the media doesn't give a chance to spread that kind of you know uh, narrative, or there's just it's just not a. I'm I'm just gonna go on a limb and say like if you're if you go into the majors and that's your goal, then you're not gonna get very far because you have a really low ceiling and what your expectations are for yourself. You know. Yeah, I don't. I agree. Yeah, my opinion. Yeah. So like because none of the big names are saying my my goal is I can see myself in the Hall of Fame. Like no one says that about themselves because if you're in that high level. Yeah, you could be cocky, but you're cocky about a championship, not like, you know, who you are and what you what you think after retirement. Right. Yeah. All right, let's move on to the next movie. Yeah, thank God. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so next movie we will go over. Do you want to do Angels in the Outfield? Let's do it. All right, Angels in the Outfield. This is Austin's pick, by this the way. This was my pick. This is definitely a top three baseball film for me growing up and I will emphasize growing up because rewatching it now, I don't know if I would categorize it as that. Maybe I was just much more emotional as a kid, but yeah, this was, it was still a good movie and I would watch it again. And it's a movie that I think I would want to show like my kids and stuff, Mm -hmm. but super wholesome. Um, For those of you who haven't watched the movies, so there's an older version, but the newer version came out in 1994. Um, the reason why it's called Angels in the Outfield is because Angels are partially owned by Disney. Is that correct? Um, they're in Anaheim. I can neither neither con- confirm nor deny. That. I want to say that is. I want to also say that's why they made the movie Mighty Ducks because oh, they're- yeah, they're partially owned by Disney, and it's kind of their way of pushing their brand their own brand but you got you you can fact check me on that guys but anyway it's about uh a boy during oh sorry oh no go ahead feel free to interrupt me sorry yeah the anaheim angels were owned by walt disney but they were sold in 2003 so during the time of the movie they were owned by disney okay thank you for that so my memory does serve me correctly but it centers around a boy played by Joseph Gordon-Levitt, and very yeah, cute. super cute. <laughs> um, and then he's basically in a foster group home, and his dad is giving him up for adoption. His dad is relinquishing his parent parenthood um, because he's not a good dad. But then the dad promises Joseph Gordon-Levitt's character that if the angels who are currently in last place win the pennant, then they will be a family again. And so this kid, he wishes or prays to God for a pennant. And then and then he sees angels helping the team and stuff like that. And it's centered around that. But um, anyway, that's, that's enough uh, jibber-jabber about the summary, so... You've watched it before, right, Josh? I've actually watched this probably like four times as okay. a kid because it always came up on Disney yeah, Channel. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, and I, 
I don't remember this movie having such a star-studded <laughs> like cast. Yeah, it's jo- it's Joseph Gordon-Levitt, Danny Glover, Christopher Lloyd, uh, Matthew McConaughey, and Brenda Fricker. I don't know if you remember Brenda Fricker. No, I do. But the I do. Fo- okay, yeah, Brenda Fricker from Home Alone Two. <laughs> like, yeah, dude, dude, this cast is crazy. This freaking has okay. Let's 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 go down the list. It has Doc Brown. From Back mm-hmm. to the Future, it has yeah. Lincoln, the Lincoln lawyer, and Matthew McConaughey, Academy Award winner <laughs> actor Matt McConaughey. <laughs> um, it also has Brenda Fricker, who was the homeless lady mm-hmm. in Home Alone Two. Yes. Um, and then Danny Glover. What movie was Danny Glover in? That's big. I don't know, but I know Danny Glover. Like he's. He's in Predator. He was in. He was in 2012 as the president. Man, I don't, I don't. He's recognizable. I don't, I don't know a movie off the top of my head. And it has Joseph Gordon-Levitt, who of course was a uh, yeah. part of things like Inception, Looper, yeah. And also Matthew McConaughey looks the same today as he did back then. Yeah, he just looked like a like. If if he was like two years younger in this movie, <laughs> that's it. <laughs> yeah. But what do you think of the movie, man? Dude, I really like the movie. I think the only thing that bothered me about the movie was the baseball. You know, like it definitely in a baseball terms, it made zero sense. Because uh, what they're talking about, there's so many conflicting sentences in the end of the movie where they're saying this is the game to win the divi- like to win the season. That's the last game of the season, but it's also the game to win the pennant. Like, what the heck are you talking about? Like, you got to go to the NLDS. I mean, ALDS, the ALCS. Like, you can't win the pennant just in the normal yeah. season. And um, dude, you know that the, the the game, the last game with Mel Clark, like he pitched 156 pitches, man. Yep. He was no, pitching, I think I think he, he did more, t- right? Because that was he's like I you pitched this many, and then he pitches a couple more. Or did he? Or no, it was uh, so he. It was like 160. I think I counted oh, okay. at the end. Got it, got it. Okay, yeah, but dude, you're not pitching a good game. The only they're they're having hard contact hits off of you, and the only reason you're still in this game is because your defense is top notch for some reason. And why are you letting this guy keep pitching? Because you're gonna probably use him for the play, the postseason. Oh man, they and now you can't because he needs he needs, he needs long rest oh, now because he's tired. Oh man, I don't know. But and then, um, just like yeah, the, the baseball aspect didn't make sense. Just my only complaint about the movie. I think they could have made made the if the if the baseball was like like at least somewhat believable, I would love this movie. Yeah. But other than that, the game is still really good. I'm mean, sorry, not the game. The movie was still really good. I think I don't remember being so emotional during the time where just Joseph Gordon-Levitt says goodbye to his dad. Like that was pretty hard. And I was like, oh shoot! Like as a kid, I didn't understand it because he's like, oh, his dad's like going away, but his dad was kind of a scumbag, so that's okay. But like as an adult, it's like, dude, this guy, like he like broke his promise. Don't make promises you're not gonna keep, guys. Like <laughs> just. Like just be honest, tell the truth. That's that's the, I think that's the reason why it hurt so much for for little Joseph Gordon Levitt. It's because you know he saw that his promise was going to come true, and then it just it wasn't going to happen in the first place. Yeah, you know. 
Yeah. Other than that, man, it was really good. Such a good yeah, movie. Yeah, I thought something that was very interesting baseball-wise was, as we mentioned in Mr. 3000, is the clubhouse vibe. How when they're mm-hmm. losing, it's a certain way. And then once it starts getting better, it goes a certain way. And I realized that in the movies that we've been watching for the clubhouses or teams that end up doing well, like their manager has control over the team. Like what he says, they listen to. Or, yeah, like, yeah major, like league. major League. Or even like in Moneyball too. Um, like when they're celebrating mm-hmm. and then after a loss and then Billy Bean comes in and berates them. And then later on, they do better. But yeah, that was one aspect of it that I thought was like really cool and gave good insight. Um, One thing that I really liked about the movie was the aspect of showcasing what getting ejected or fighting looks like. Um, Yeah, because in the beginning, Danny Glover gets super heated, even with his own player. And then they start shoving each other. And then they get heated and push each other. But that's actually one of my favorite parts of baseball when the bench is clear and there's like a huge brawl. So, yeah. All right, let's be honest, man. You're not, your, your manager is not going to fight your player. Unless your or, team is that bad. Or the other way around. The thing is though, right? It's if you're the player and you fight your manager, dude, that's PR suicide for you. Because now the brand on you is, dude, you're uncoachable. You know, and no team wants an uncoachable player unless they're really good to yeah, begin unless with. Unless you're Mel Clark and you pitch so, 160 pitches. Bad hey, baseball. What's the most amount of pitches that Sandy Koufax ever threw? Not 160. Mm, let's look. But but even um, so, the game that this reminded me of was Tim Lincecum's second no hitter because I watched that live. I think he went. He pitched 150 pitches. Yo, bro. For a hitter, you're not gonna believe it. So right, I'm gonna give you it? a hint. Sandy Koufax's mm-hmm. record: he holds the record for most pitches, or third most pitches thrown all time in a game. Can I guess the first, who's number one? Is it yeah. Nolan Ryan? Let me click into it. All right. I think there was a really there's a story where Nolan Ryan pitched into extra innings as a starter. Okay, most pitches thrown in a game. No, it's not. It's not Nolan Ryan. Dang it! Who's number one? Uh, so number one is held by Leon Cador or Cadore. Never Guess how many innings he pitched. I don't know. 18? He threw every inning of a 26-inning game in 1920. <laughs> oh, that's pre-modern baseball. That don't, don't count. They're, they're throwing underhand. Okay, Come on, let's go. <laughs> guess how many pitches he threw, though. Ah, oh, shit. Like, what, 26? Your average is, like, probably like 15 an inning. Oh, dude, you probably threw, like, 300 pitches. <laughs> oh my gosh. But you know, this game actually didn't count because the game didn't finish because it was too dark. <laughs> so it ended in a tie. Yeah, so the players kept their right, who's, okay. stats, but then the game didn't resume until a later date. And so they called it a tie. Okay. So, so what's, what's Koufax's number? 
So Koufax, who's part of the modern baseball era, he's actually tied for the most strikes yes. thrown in a game with 128. Oh my gosh! That's the amount of strikes he threw. <laughs> so that means total, what, you pitched like 170? On September 20th, 1961, Koufax went modern 13 bit. innings and threw an outrageous... Okay. 205 pitches. Oh my gosh. No wonder his career ended so <laughs> the early. Third most of all time. <laughs> oh my god. 200. Yeah, so and, oh my happen. goodness. It does. And he had a he had a strike rate of over 50%. That's yeah, so crazy. The fact that Yeah, but dude, Mel Clark is not Sandy yeah. Koufax. Yeah, don't even compare the two. He was pitching that game too. Dude, can you imagine how good Sandy Koufax's career would be even better if Tommy John surgery existed? Or if back he was then? load managed? No, no, just Tommy John's. Because he wouldn't be Sandy Koufax out these crazy stories. That's true. <laughs> That's true. Dude, All the right. man is a legend, yo. But, I never knew that. All right, but so let's talk about the big problem with Angels in the outfield, okay? That is, if God is helping your team, is that cheating? That is the moral dilemma no. of this movie. Because the kid prayed for it. So if God was give, or if Angels were giving Tim Tebow <laughs> the signs for the pitcher every game hey, is that yo, kind of sign stealing we learn in church that whatever god says it goes man must be good dude i think that's also one of my favorite parts of the movie was that both of roger who's joseph gordon levitt roger's prayers were answered was the angels and he won got a the family and he got a yeah got bro. a family dude that was that was, so that was good. a sick oh. twist ending yeah yeah, because show it shows you know his prayers are answered and that God works. He and he answers prayers, but not in, okay, in but our intended admit, way. All joking aside, yeah, like the prayer was pretty whack because anyone can pray that. It, but yeah, I definitely, I definitely prayed during twenty seventeen. If there were an assistance, uh or intervention, divine intervention in terms of the results of a game or a season. Mm-hmm. Hey, you can't complain. I, I don't know. Based on what we've been learning in church and stuff, I, I don't think that there's like a, if it's being executed by, if it's a plan being executed by, you know, God, then I, I would say it's good. I don't know. Yeah, man. If if God if God created baseball, then he can and he likes a certain team. Yeah. God help every clearly, other team. Clearly, clearly, he doesn't like the Dodgers. <laughs> oh, dude, seriously, it might be its fans like us. Because to be like, honest, that makes a lot of sense. You're not a Dodger fan until you have a criminal record. Let's be honest. Hey, I got a ticket at a red light. All right, exactly. I I have a criminal record. So. I'm- <laughs> <laughs> all right but angels in the outfield definitely a friend kid-friendly movie family-friendly it's a timeless classic watch it if watch you can. it multiple times if you can 
But having exactly. watched it before, I was surprised that uh, Christopher Lloyd wasn't in the movie as much as I initially thought. Oh, yeah. He only had like five scenes or something. My favorite is when he pulls the foul pole. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, how does nobody that. notice that? Yeah. Yeah. But I think... But I think that's such a good decision, just uh, film-wise, because every minute that he is on film, on camera, it's just so much more impactful. Yeah. yeah. Great movie. Great movie. All right. Last and not least, it is Rookie of the Year. Super old movie. Just kidding. It's not that old. It's actually made a year before uh, Angels in the Outfield. Um, but very good very interesting movie. I'm not going to say good, interesting. What I've watched it before. So that's why I like I have some basis to go off of, but I think Austin you watched it for the first time. Yes, my first time. I what really did you think liked of it? it. I really <laughs> liked it. Like I'll tell you how much Ooh. I liked it, all right? So all right. as you know, my top 3 movies growing up baseball-wise is Moneyball, no particular order. Moneyball, Angels in the Outfield, and Sandlot. But right. I was telling someone this. I wouldn't say it's a better movie than Sandlot, but it's more mm-hmm. replayable for me. Like, I wouldn't mind watching this over and over. It's like one of those movies where I can just leave on the background and just have a good time doing something else and coming back to it. It's like one of those types of films. Right. So I really enjoyed it. And I think I'll definitely watch it again like sometime this year. It was just like that much fun. And I can't believe I've never watched it before. <laughs> so in terms of an impression right. without really going into the movie, I very much enjoyed it. Um, I don't know. I'm a sucker for movies where like kids are like really successful at stuff. Whether it's like Richie Rich or Home Alone or Rookie of the Year. Um or even like big with Tom Hanks. I know he becomes an adult, but he's still kind of like a kid. Um, like yeah. Dennis the Menace. Like I love these movies where it centers around kids who are like beyond their years in some capacity. And that it just makes for a fun movie in my opinion. So yeah, I really enjoyed that. Um, I thought, yeah, the only flaws like I like as much as you noticed the flaws in Angels in the Outfield, that's what I noticed in Rookie of the Year. So in terms of baseball like stuff, like accuracy, yeah, I think that's what I had issues with in terms of the movie. But I mean, you know, it's fictional and it's a kid's movie. And yeah, so that's like not the yeah. biggest reason why I watch it, but that was just like a nitpick. For example, the kid is twelve years old or something. He shouldn't even be allowed to play in the MLB because I looked it up and you have to be at least 18 or you have to be 17 if you're an international signing. So there's no way he would have been able to play. Hey, but he's throwing over a hundred mile per hour fastball, bro. That's faster than hey, Benny then Johnson, they gotta, sir. Then they got to uh, make an amendment to the MLB constitution because they didn't even do that in the movie. Hey, but they could also lie There's about your age. There's definitely no way they lied about That's his happened. age because his mom had to sign his contract <laughs> for him. That's right. 
<sighs> I think there's so many things about this movie I like. I actually, so, so as you know, Angels the Outfield for in the Outfield was your movie as a kid. This was my movie as a kid. Because I watched this first when I was, I think, seven or eight on cable. And I remember, dude, this movie is so funny. Um, the first things I think about was how the, the manager kept messing up his last name. Like, his name, so it's, it's main character's name is Henry Rowan Gardner. And oh, so, you know, for if you haven't watched the movie, the movie is about uh, a kid, Henry Rowan Gardner. He, uh, he fell and he tweaked this tendon in his shoulder or elbow. I think it's his elbow. And so it's tightened and it fused together so he can throw 100 miles per hour. And he essentially becomes the closer for the Chicago Cubs. Um, and so every time that they would call Roan Gardner, they would mess up his name, like Garden Hoser, or like, I don't, dude, I don't, I can't think of any, but I just remember every time they would call Same. him, I would just start That laughing. was good. Dude, another ridiculous <laughs> thing, though, in terms of the baseball inaccuracy is, dude, what kind of closer throws three innings, yo? With just one Yeah, pitch. definitely. That does... that. He went the seventh to ninth with just, with just fastballs. Pitch. Actually, no, no, no. 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 He threw a changeup in the ninth inning. It was a fastball. That was <laughs> a changeup. That was. Did you see that movement? That's called no. That's, Dude, an that's called a slow pitch, yo. <laughs> but another thing I really liked about the movie was that scene where Henry had to bat against the Dodgers. Uh, and then he was in the batter's box and he was like, oh my God, oh yeah. my God, oh my God, and oh my God. The strike zone's You're too the... small with him. They should have just put him up every time. Yeah. Exactly. That's 100% on-base percentage Honestly, he has yeah. in his career. Yeah. And he uh, he has a stolen base too because yep. they, they threw the pitch away. So 100% steal success, 100% on-base percentage. And dude... Did you know? And that's why uh, this this off season, right during spring training, when they had hot mics for players. I don't know if you see you saw Chris Bryant's hot mic. No. But uh, when he was at bat and they're interviewing him at, during his at bat, he was like, "Oh my god! Oh my god! Oh my god! Oh my god!" And you know, that was in reference oh. to Rookie of the Year. Oh yeah, yeah, because yeah, he's yeah, on yeah. Cubs. I remember now. Yeah. Oh, now now I know. And. I, yeah, such a good, such a timeless movie. Uh, so yeah, this also the Dodgers were in it. That was you know Chavez Ravine. I miss baseball. I miss baseball stadiums so Same. much. Uh, uh, but MLB has not given me back the refund for my tickets yet, and it's Why? killing me. <laughs> um, because apparently. Um, the season isn't canceled yet. It's postponed. So there's still a chance that they, I could offer or exchange my previous tickets right. for new dates. So until they officially cancel the season, mm. I'm not getting my money. Unfortunate, back. man. I hope you get your money back. Yeah. Sucks. I know. Or at least my bobbleheads, which is all I signed up for. So, yeah. Uh, as far as like the movie goes, it's ridiculous. Let's be honest. Do you also notice that they won the World Series at the end? I did. When they were when they went when two of their best pitchers couldn't go into the NLCS or finish the NLCS. Two best pitchers. 
Chet Stedman, the Rocket, who had a great, you know, game seven right. game in the NLCS. And um, the, okay. the, and Henry, First of all, Rowan Gardner. They were not, they are not the two best pitchers of the team. Chet Stedman just happened to get his mojo back for that last game. But the narrative for him on that season was that he did not have his Rocket arm from before because he got that shoulder surgery and he never returned to form. He just happened to do all well that last game because he might have been inspired, I don't know, by Henry's mom. Um, and uh, Henry Gardenhoser, or whatever his name is, he he was not their best pitcher. He is just a closer. He cannot carry them for multiple games at a time. So clearly they have legwork in terms of their starting rotation and relief pitching. Bro, you... How many saves do you think this man got in the season? He definitely had at least 20-plus saves. Rookie of the year, hands down, you know. Cy Young voting at least a couple votes. This man is their best Did I, their best closer. Who, I don't like, know, man. Come on, man. But, uh, yeah, Rookie of the Year, super fun movie. I would recommend it to anyone who's bored during this Stay at home order to watch it. It's actually on Disney Plus, so it's super accessible. Um, super, it's very, very wholesome. Sometimes it's really cringy, cringy at moments. But it's okay because it has an '80s vibe. If you made a movie like that today, it would get trashed. But because this is a timeless mm-hmm. baseball masterpiece, people adore it. It's it's funny how depending on when something That's is right. created, it's viewed a certain way. And this is just one of those movies, I guess. Like the room, <laughs> like the room. Uh, which the room? The room, you know the you're tearing Tony apart, Wizzo. Lisa. Wizzo. Yeah, that yeah, Wizzo. Yeah, yeah. All right. Uh, so we watched three more movies. What is oh, the by ranking? The way, shout out to Patrick from Charlie best to worst. for recommending oh, yes. of the year for us to watch. Great. Great suggestion. All right. But I also recommend it. So we'll go with Pastor Charlie because uh, I want to engage with our audience. <laughs> All right. Thanks, Pastor Charlie. <laughs> All right. So, for best to worst, these three movies, best what, to what worst. is it? For I would you? say this time around, I very much enjoyed Rookie of the Year because it was my first time watching it. And then, not too far behind mm-hmm. that, Angels in the Outfield, classic. And then there's like, as Billy Bean says, wait, hold on. My mom's asking me for my phone. As Billy Bean has famously said it in the movie of Moneyball, there's then there's 50, there's 50 feet of crap. And then there's Moneyball. <laughs> or, you mean uh, Mr. 2000? Yeah. Yeah, because Moneyball is a classic. You don't call that 50 feet of crap. Although that'd be self-proclaimed, though. Uh, yeah. I agree. I agree that Rookie of the Year is still one of my favorite baseball movies. Uh, so that's first for me. And even though they're Rookie of the Year and Angel in the Outfield are really close together, I'm going to give it to Rookie of the Year because it had more baseball. You know, like actual baseball. It was a baseball movie. You know, not it a story just, including. It was baseball, a really fun movie too. Which I. Yeah. Also, Barry Bonds was in Rookie of the Year. Like, and Bobby Bonilla. Like, let's not forget that. <laughs> he. Sh- 
he struck out Bobby Bonilla and, paid. and Barry Bonds. Like, come on paid. now. He is getting... So is Manny Ramirez. So, so rookie of the year, Angels of the Outfield, Mr. 3000, or 50 feet of crap, and yeah. then Mr. 3000. So in terms Our of rating, what would you give them? I'd give rookie of the year a solid 8.5 to 9 out of 10. Just from sheer entertainment value. Really? And replay value. I see. Angels in the outfield, mm-hmm. I'll give an eight out of ten. Between seven and a half to eight. Like it's gr- yeah, it's yeah, a ten. great movie, but it's not like superb or mind blowing. Mm-hmm. I think it's I think watching it again is like right. one of those things where you just have rose colored glasses, um, rose tinted glasses for things that you grew up with. Cause like watching it, I was like, Yeah, like it doesn't mm-hmm. hit the same from like when I watched it the first time or when when I was growing up, but it's still a good movie, and I would watch it again. But I think I enjoyed Rookie of the Year better. And then Mister Three Thousand mm-hmm. Man, I don't know. It, it's like one of those classic Yelp reviews. If I could, I'd give it a zero, but I'm forced to give it a one. Okay. Uh. So. You know, there's there's not much debate here, man. I agree. Rookie of the year for me, eight and a half. Uh, not bad. Not I feel like give it a seven and a half. Uh, yeah, still really good. And Mister Three Thousand, I'd give it like a two, because yeah, it was just boring. Nothing. Yeah, so not much debate here. Overall, two great movies, one not great movie. But yeah, there's only so many things you can do with baseball movies, man. I think at least Mister Three Thousand ended uniquely <laughs> with a bunt you know like it's not a walk-off it was a walk-off but you know what never mind it did the exact same thing major league did like <laughs> so never mind I, I take back yeah. my compliment i agree man <laughs> all right uh so that's it for this support for part three of the piazza boys movie reviews if you have any more recommendations, which we do need because we don't know what else to watch next, uh, hit us up on either by email or our Instagram. Piazza Delivery Piazza Boys, Boys for Instagram and then piazzaboys.com for our website. Thank you. And tune in next time for whatever movie we're going to watch next or whatever or whatever article that yeah. we can and by the way during this quarantine. Uh, thank you to for those of you who have been sharing our page or our account and stuff on your own instagram accounts on your stories and things like that we really appreciate it we're not doing it for the likes or anything like yeah, that thank you very much we do want the dodgers to be the most loved team not just in baseball but in all sports so whatever you can do to get that done we appreciate it yeah so yeah same all right thank you guys for listening and this has been the piazza delivery boys with love i'll catch you guys next time